I hope, pray that baptistry don't start running over. <laughs> because if it does, we're going to have to swim out. Uh, one other thing to make mention of that was forgot earlier when they're talking about the ones, we have another one among us today that hadn't been with us for a while, and that is our little sweetheart sister Melba's with us this morning. So glad that she's out to be with us today as well as all the others that are here, and we're thankful for each and every one that are here this morning. On July the 4th, 1951, a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick, who was an Olympic swimmer, attempted to do a swim from Catalina Island to the California coastline. The challenge was not so much the distance as it would be the the bone-chilling waters of the Pacific Ocean. Each minute and each time as she stayed in that water was basically, we would say, an act of perseverance to continue that challenge. She was swimming as it were, with knowing the fact that land would be in her sight soon and she would be able to make it home. But the challenge became more complicated because as she began to make her way toward the shore and her swim, a dense fog arose over and veiled the entire area, making it impossible to see the shoreline of the state of California. So after 15 hours in the water, and within a half a mile of her goal, she quit and got back in the boat that was running along beside of her. Later on, she would tell a reporter, "Uh, Look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I might have made it. Might have made it. When you think about that, that sounds like a lot of people. That is, a lot of people who have a lot of good things they're wanting to do. A lot of good works or maybe something they're wanting to achieve in their life is a good thing. And they have these goals. They have what in their mind what they're wanting to do. They have it all laid out and planned out. And they start on this thing and never finish. Never finish. Because, and the main reason is... They fail to stay focused upon the goal. They looked away. When we look back at Florence Chadwick, we realize that she was not just swimming. She was swimming for the coast of California. That was her goal. But she lost the goal in her mind when she could no longer see the land due to the fog and she gave up. The good news is that a little later on, she attempted this a feat again. Once more, the misty veil arose and clouded, as it were, her vision that she could not see the coast of California. But this time, she made it. She made it all the way to the coast because she kept reminding herself and kept focused on the fact, I don't care if there is a fog, land is still there, the coast of California is still there, and I can reach it. And with confidence, she swam and she accomplished the goal. And matter of fact, she broke the man's record on that same swim by two hours. The reason and the difference was keeping this on the goal. In Hebrews chapter 12, Paul, I mean the writer there begins, as it were, a great beginning, or a great conclusion if you want to call it, either way, 
to what he'd been talking about in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the Hall of Faith. All of these great people that he makes mention of, and many of them he doesn't even mention by name, but reminds us of the great things they had done in the past because of their faith in God. So he says to those that were reading this epistle for the first time and to us, when he begins saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now keep that text in mind, because we're going to look at some things this morning. We're really going to concentrate on one word that though it's not mentioned there, it is there by what we read. And that word is the word perseverance. In this text, in the very first verse, what do we learn? He calls it endurance. We can also say slash perseverance. But it tells us there that it is demanded. It tells us we are demanded. That is, we are commanded to run this race with endurance. The writer is talking about perseverance. From our childhood, have we not been taught lessons about endurance or perseverance? How many still remember the, little, the song or the little ditty about the little engine that could? How about the famous one of the story of the tortoise versus the hare? What are these little lessons trying to teach children? They're trying to teach us to go on, to endure, to persevere, set a goal in life and move forward to carry it out, whatever it takes and whatever's involved, do so. Because as the little engine said, I think I can, I think I can, and he did. And he did, and that's the point. We're also taught in school, as it were in the history of our country, of the inventors or the statesmen, or the soldiers, or the entrepreneurs who were persistent in whatever they set out to accomplish, even though they had many failures along the way, they never quit doing what they were wanting to accomplish in their lifetimes. And look around, some of the inventions way back, if we say been invented years ago, after many failures, were still resulting in the response from those inventions. Look at some of the things going on in our country. Great statesmen who stood up for those things they knew that were right did not give up in spite of failures of seeing this country go in the direction they knew was right. We could go on and on and on. But you always notice in those, it's not always the most intelligent. It's not always the most athletic. It's not always the one who has the great amount of money that achieved their dream. It is those who are, refu- who are refusing to let anything stop them to persevering against all odds to accomplish what they want in life. In essence then, they simply said to, our, to themselves, I will not give up, no matter what. And so if not if that's true in our physical eyes and we emphasize to children and to others and give example after example, here's what it means to persevere. Here's what it means. Follow this first example. In spite of failures, look what great things are accomplished for the world and we're still reaping results thereof. Is it still not true also for our spiritual lives? 
This is the quality that every child of God needs to be possessing. It's commanded of us. Yet, when it's needed the most, it is the one ingredient that ends up coming up missing. When we look at the Word of God, it tells us that perseverance is demanded of us within it. We also look, it says, perseverance is developed within us as we absorb, or that is, incorporate the teachings of the Word of God. It helps us. And it's also demonstrated by us as we apply the Scripture to our lives to carry out the things that we want to do for the cause of Christ. You see, it's not any different. In life, when we learn knowledge of how to persevere in this old world we live in, and whatever job that we have, whatever profession we take up, or whatever we want to do, we sh- the world shows us how. Persevere in spite of failures. It is the same thing with us. It is also, look at the Scripture, we must acquire it, we must absorb it, we must apply it if we want to be successful. The word endurance, though, is the passive of these two words. It is simply like a ship that is anchored. And it is battered by the storms, it is battered by the winds, it is battered by the rains. It stays where it is because that good, strong anchor kept it there. And the winds weren't able to move it. Sometimes that's what life is like. There are times in our life the only thing that we can do is simply batten down the hatches and remain anchored until the storms pass us by. And life gets somewhat to normal. But you see, perseverance is really the better description because in this reading, perseverance tells us this is what the Lord did on the cross. Perseverance is this. The same ship sailing through that storm. In spite of the high winds, in spite of the high waves and the waves and the great rain, that ship gets to where it wants to go because it persevered through that storm and did not let that storm stop it from reaching its destination. There's the difference in those two words. It is that active one that we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll notice in a moment, not only did He just endure the cross, He persevered because of the joy and the reward that laid ahead for Him by doing so. For us though, we need to be reminded that this Christian race is not a short, quick dash to the finish line where we can say, I've been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. That's not Christianity, nor is this race that we run. It is endurance, it is a perseverance that lasts our entire lifetime until death takes us from this old world. Yes, there are going to be times if we live this life as a child of God, it's going to take every ounce of strength that we possess that as we struggle through the storms of life. But if we've committed ourselves unto God, if we've committed ourselves to live in this Christian life, and then we want to run that race as described here in Hebrews 12, then we will not let nothing cause us to quit, and we will never look back. Yeah, there are going to be trials. Yes, there are going to be temptations. The Lord didn't say there wouldn't be. But as difficult as they may be, and as hard as they may be on our life, if we persevere, we will succeed. But we must persevere because it is commanded and demanded of us. Secondly, perseverance is also demonstrated. In verse 2, notice it said there that Jesus endured 
the cross. Endured the cross. The cross in that day and time was the, at the, at the time was the most cruel form of death men had ever invented to kill another human being. It became, as it were, the right or the way in which the Roman Empire would put someone to death for whatever crime they committed that resulted in saying, you must die for that crime. It became crucifixion. It was a horrible death. They made, some of them lasted for days on therefore they finally passed away from exhaustion. There's a body just finally gave way of being pushing up and falling down, pushing up and falling down on those nails that were holding them there. This is the most horrible way in which to die. Yet, Jesus took that cross and all of the shame and the suffering that came with it. This became His endurance test. This became His test of perseverance. Notice what enabled him to do this. What enabled him to stay there and not come down off the cross as the Jews in the front aisle, so to speak, were mocking him to do. Come down and we'll, we'll believe you. Who for the joy that was set, the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That was his coastline. That was his goal. The joy that was set before Him. What is that joy? By the shedding of His blood, salvation is now offered to every living human being. That was the joy that was set before Him to endure the cross, to carry out that plan that had been put in motion from way back in the garden, even been planned all through the ages that now was a reality. That joy that was set before him, the shedding of that blood to bring in redemption, that was his goal. And he persevered because he stayed focused on keeping that in his forefront until the moment he said, it is finished. He had endured. He had accomplished. He finished the goal. When he said, it is finished we might ask ourselves, what is our goal? What is our reason for running this Christian race? In other words, what is our coastline? What are we aiming for? In what direction are we wanting to go, as it were? What is our destination? What are we keeping our eyes focused on? The text tells you, looking unto Jesus, known simply as the author and perfecter of our faith. When our eyes, not always literally, but the mind, when that mind is focused on Jesus Christ, we can always run with perseverance that race is set before us. And when we find ourselves weary, when we find ourselves faint in our minds if we struggle against sin, just remember this one thing. Consider Him who endured. In other words, if Jesus can do it, so can we. That's all it's simply telling us. Our focus is looking unto Jesus. Keeping our eyes focused upon, keep an eye of faith grounded upon Him and realizing if He can do it, we can do it. We can persevere and we can endure. But also we realize that this is also doable. There are some very potent lessons, as we might say, or in this text for each of us. 
In this text, we're told, like Paul told his brethren in Galatians chapter 6, not to be weary in well-doing. And Paul adds to that, we shall reap in due season if we do not faint. Now that is, we do not quit. Paul adds to that. But in here he reminds us that it is doable. That we can accomplish what we want as a child of God. We can see it all the way to the end because don't let ourselves grow weary and well-doing. That we must press on. Take each step day by day. Move forward. Must always keep our mind eye on the shore. Looking unto Jesus. Looking to that gate of pearl. Looking to heaven itself. Keep that always in our mind and focused upon those things and it is always doable. But all too often, what have we found? All too often we have seen many children of God run the race with greatness. We feel proud of them. They're a help to every one of us. They're an example to all of us. You know, we feel like they encourage us every day because they move forward. But as time goes by, as life goes on, things get real difficult. Things get hard. Starting of their life starts falling apart. Everything else goes wrong in life and they just simply quit. Why? And their mind, it became too great. It became too hard to continue on. So they just simply give up and says, I've had enough. I cannot go, I cannot go any further. And the shoreline is just a short distance away. And they simply just quit. We are not, we should not allow ourselves. And we have to always be on guard. Do not allow ourselves to be in so entangled in sin or in the, in the problems of this old life that we get sidetracked from what we need to be doing as a child of God. Perseverance is needed during the times of trial in our life. Yes, there are times when it's going to be, remaining active for the Lord, it's going to be difficult and hard. We, when we suffer from external illness, when we're suffering from some kind of anxiety, this just simply almost feel like we're driving ourselves nuts in the chronic pain and the grip of grief. We find ourselves like we're just, we can't move. The storm is too much. And we just feel almost like it we're at standstill in life. Even in that icy waters of pain and agony, almost more than we can endure. What is it? Still keep focused upon whom? Looking unto Jesus who is what? The author and finisher of our faith. Never let go of the goal. But too many times, how many Christians have we learned, have seen through the years, use the trials as an excuse to quit? Life became too hard. I can't take it anymore. God forsaken me. He left me alone. Uh, why, where, where's he at? Why isn't he helping me? And they just quit. Has God forsaken us? I don't think so. We, we know that's not true. It's not that God has quit on us. It's not that God has forgotten about us. We have quit on God and we have forgotten about Him. We allow those things to keep us from being focused. Prime example. This one is what we call a real life one. Remember a man by the name of Peter? Everybody know him? Most human of the apostles and so forth. He saw Jesus doing what one night? Walking on 
the water. What did he say to his Lord? If so, bid me to walk on the water with you. Did Peter walk on the water? Yeah. He did. But he also began to sink. Why? Peter took his eyes off the Lord and began to notice the winds and the waves around him. And he began to do what? Sink. The Lord took him by the hand and brought him back, we might say, to the surface of the water. But what did he say to him? O you of little faith, Peter, you're a great man. He had one of the highest compliments paid to him by the fact that he confessed the Lord two different times as being the Son of the living God. The Lord had to help him up and put him back because he quit focusing on the Lord. But notice there, where was the Lord the whole time? Right there. It wasn't him leaving Peter. It was Peter who had left him, but who reached out and picked him back up? The Lord. See, here's an example of what we mean. Peter let the things around him distract him, and he began to sink. But through all those troubles and trials, the Lord had never left him. He was still right there. And when the time was necessary, he reached down and picked him back up. We can work for our Lord, whether we're walking, whether we're having to sit, whether we're bedridden, whether we're in a hospital room, or whatever, we can still work for the Lord. We can still pray for others, even and pray for our work. Even if we can't be here, we can still do so. So you see, is it's doable. Even through the trials of life, we can do it. Why? Because our Savior endured the shame of the cross. But not only is it needed in times of temptation, I mean trials, it's also needed even more in times of temptation. We know there are a lot of tempting delights out in the world and pleasures that want us to draw us away from God. You can imagine for a moment with Florence Chadwick as she's swimming in the icy waters of the Pacific Ocean. Beside her is a boat that has everything necessary to take care of her if anything should happen. They went along with her. Not only to make sure she made the go, but also in any trouble come up any way whatsoever, they were there to help and protect. You know as she swam along and that boat was right there next to her. On that boat was food, (laughs) water, and it's warm. Do you not think for a moment sometimes it looked better in the boat than it did in the water for her? Yeah. It was tempting to get back in the boat, wasn't it? And forget it all. You see, we are in the icy water swimming. We are the ones plying toward the goal of heaven. The boat ring along beside of us is the world. And it says, come on board. It'll be warm, you'll be dry, you'll have food, and you'll have plenty to drink. Come on board. We are here to help you. 
that to many would be a temptation too hard to give up. When you think about it for a moment compared to the waters of life. You see, the world will always be around us. The world will always be sailing along beside us as we make that Christian run, as we swim the, the waters as it were. The boat of the world will always be there trying to tell us, give it up, give it up. The shoreline's not there. The Lord may make you think it is, but you know what the Lord's doing to you? He keeps moving it. He keeps moving it. He keeps moving it. So you never will be able to reach it because He don't want you to. Come aboard. All the ease and luxury that this world can offer you is on board. We'll even drop the ladder down for you to pick you up. We'll accommodate you in any way possible. But what happens when we give in and when we climb the side of the boat? One thing becomes immediately true. As far as us and the cause of Christ is concerned, we have become totally useless. Why? We quit persevering. We quit looking. We just simply gave up. Again, is that not what the Lord mentioned in Luke 6 when He said something about putting your hand to a plow? And what? Not looking back. Anybody that's ever farmed with an old plow and a mule or an ox or horse knows exactly what the Lord meant. In real life, the farmer knows if I start looking back, my row is going to be crooked. If I keep looking straight ahead, that row will be straight, and I'll see the end of the field where I can turn around and go back the other way. This morning, if you're a child of God, who's allowed the distractions of this old world, who's allowed the problems of this old life ease you back into the boat, as it were, into the world, that you find yourself slipping away from God and slowly inching yourself toward the ladder to get on that board in that time of ease and warmth and food and luxury that that world is offering you, and you realize that even now that you're beginning to do that very thing, slip away from God, that you quit focusing upon Him, you find yourself looking back more at the world. Here's an opportunity to return to God. Why you know it? Don't let it go to the point that you cannot ever return. But do the decision now while you're able to and you know it and stop it before it goes any further and totally destroys your soul. But if you're not a child of God this day, you may think the world looks better to you and the icy waters, mm, I don't want them. I don't taste them. The icy waters are better because the end thereof is the goal of heaven. The boat's end is destruction. It's going to crash on the reef of this old world, a reef simply called a place called hell. It's going to bust up and go there. It's got no other choice. This morning, if not a child of God, everything is ready. Simply asking you to respond to that precious invitation. The belief that God is and His Son died for you, willing to repent of that past life of sin, willing to confess before all that He is the Son of God, and be buried in baptism. And from this day forward, you can persevere toward the goal, that high mark of calling of Christ Jesus, that place called heaven, which nobody can take away. Think on these things while together we stand and while we sing.